Chapter Five, Part Two of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Five, Part Two. You sang your rondo marvelously well, observed the prince. Then the conversation was established, but only in short phrases broken by numerous pauses. Nana could not always be answering after spreading some cold cream over her face and arms with her hand she laid on the white paint with the corner of a towel for an instant she ceased looking at herself in the glass and smiled as she glanced at the prince without however laying down the towel and the paint your highness is spoiling me she murmured the making up was a most complicated business which the marquis de choix followed with extreme delight he also ventured an observation could not the orchestra he asked accompany you more softly it drowns your voice and that is an unpardonable crime this time nana did not turn round she had taken the hare's foot and was passing it very lightly and carefully over her face leaning so forward over the dressing-table as to cause the rounded portion of her white drawers to swell out the corner of her chemise still protruding to show that she was sensible of the old gentleman's compliment she slightly moved her hips a pause ensued madame jules had observed a rent in the drawers she took one of the pins stuck over her heart and remained kneeling for a moment on the ground occupied about nana's leg whilst the young woman without appearing to know that she was there was covering herself with powder being careful however not to lay any on the upper part of her cheeks when the prince remarked that if she came to sing in london all england would want to applaud her she laughed pleasantly and turned herself round for a second her left cheek very white in the midst of a cloud of powder then she suddenly became very serious she was about to put on the rouge once more standing with her face close to the glass she dipped her finger in a pot and applied the rouge under her eyes spreading it gently up to the temples the gentleman maintained a respectful silence count mifa had scarcely said a word he was immersed in thoughts of his youth the room he had when a child had been very cold later on when sixteen years old he used to kiss his mother every night and would then feel even in his sleep the icy coldness of her embrace one day as he passed a half-closed door he caught a glimpse of a maid-servant washing herself and that was the only reminiscence that had troubled him from the age of puberty to the day of his marriage then he had encountered in his wife a strict observance of conjugal duties he himself experienced a sort of devout repugnance he grew up he grew old ignorant of the ways of the flesh bent to rigid religious practices having regulated his life according to precepts and laws and suddenly he found himself deposited in this actress's dressing-room in company of this almost naked girl he who had never even seen countess mifa put on her garters was now assisting at the most secret details of a woman's toilet in the midst of that fascinating and powerful odour surrounded by all those pots and basins his whole being revolted the slow possession that nana had taken of him for some little time past terrified him as it recalled to his mind the pious stories he had read in his childhood of persons possessed by devils he believed in the devil in his confused state of mind nana with her smiles and her body full of vice was the devil in person but he would be strong he would know how to defend himself then that is settled the prince was saying as he took his ease on the sofa next year you come to london and you will receive such a welcome that you will never return to france ah my dear count you do not value your pretty women sufficiently we shall take them all from you he will not miss them 
maliciously murmured the marquis de choix who threw off his mask on such occasions as the present the count is virtue itself hearing the count's virtue spoken of nana looked at him in so peculiar a manner that Rifa felt greatly annoyed then he was surprised at having given way to the feeling and became angry with himself why should the fact of his being virtuous embarrass him in the presence of that girl he could have beaten her but nana reaching over for a hair pencil let it fall and as she stooped to pick it up he hastened to anticipate her their breaths mingled and venus's golden locks fell over his hands it was a pleasure alloyed with remorse one of those pleasures of catholics whom the fear of hell is perpetually goading when in sin just then old barillot's voice was heard outside madame may i give the signal the audience is becoming very impatient presently replied nana without hurrying herself she had dipped the hair pencil into a pot of black then her nose almost touching the looking-glass her left eye closed she delicately painted the lashes Mifa stood behind her looking on he saw her in the glass with her plump shoulders and her neck drowned in a roseate shadow and he could not in spite of his efforts withdraw his gaze from that face rendered so provoking by the closed eye and full of dimples as though transported with desires when she shut her right eye and applied the pencil he felt that he belonged to her wholly madame again cried the panting voice of the old call-boy they are stamping their feet they will end by smashing the seats may i give the signal oh damn em said nana angrily give the signal i don't care if i'm not ready well they'll have to wait for me suddenly calming herself she turned towards the gentleman and added with a smile it's true one can't even have a few minutes quiet conversation she had now finished her face and arms she added with her finger two broad streaks of carmine to her lips count Mifa felt more agitated still bewitched by the perversion of the powders and the pigments seized with an inordinate desire for that painted beauty with her mouth too red and her face too white her eyes enlarged ardent and circled with black as though wounded by love however nana passed behind the curtain for a moment to get into venus's tights after taking off her drawers then without the least shame she doffed her chemisette and held out her arms to madame jules who slipped on the short sleeves of the tunic now let me dress you quick as they are making a disturbance murmured the old woman the prince with half-closed eyes examined the symmetry of her neck and chest with the eyes of a connoisseur whilst the marquis de choix wagged his head involuntarily Mifa, in order that he might see no more gazed down at the carpet venus was now ready as that gauze drapery was all that she wore over her shoulders madame jules hovered round her looking like an old woman carved out of wood with clear expressionless eyes and every now and then she kept taking pins from the inexhaustible cushion over her heart to pin venus's tunic passing her bony hands over those next to naked rolls of fat without their awakening in her mind a single recollection and with the greatest indifference for her sex there said the young woman as she gave a last look at herself in the glass bordenave came back very anxious saying that the third act had commenced well i am ready resumed she what a fuss to make i always have to wait for the others the gentlemen left the dressing-room but they did not say good-bye the prince having a desire to witness the third act from the wings left alone nana looked about her with surprise wherever has she got to asked she 
she was seeking satin when she at length found her behind the curtain sitting waiting on the trunk satin quietly said i certainly didn't intend to be in your way there with all those men and she added that she would now go off but nana stopped her she must be cracked to think of such a thing when bordenave had consented to engage her they could settle the matter after the performance satin hesitated it was altogether such a queer place nothing like anything she had been used to in spite of all this however she remained as the prince descended the little wooden staircase a strange noise a mixture of stifled oats and stampings of feet as of men struggling reached him from the other side of the theatre it was caused by an occurrence that quite scared the actors and actresses awaiting their cues for some little while mignon had been amusing himself again by overwhelming faucherie with delicate attentions he had just imagined a little game which consisted in every now and then snapping his fingers close to the journalistic nose to keep the flies off as he said this little business naturally amused the onlookers immensely but suddenly mignon carried away by his success taking a greater interest in the performance gave the journalist what was really a blow and a good hard blow too this time he had gone too far faucherie could not in the presence of the others smilingly receive such a punch on the nose and the two men putting an end to the comedy their faces livid and full of hate had sprung at each other's throats they rolled about the stage behind one of the side scenes calling each other the vilest names imaginable monsieur bordenave monsieur bordenave cried the terrified stage manager panting for breath bordenave followed him after having begged to be excused by the prince when he recognized faucherie and mignon on the ground he made a gesture implying that he was very much put out really they chose a nice time with his highness on the other side of the scenery and all the audience who could overhear them to complete his annoyance rose mignon arrived all out of breath and at the moment she had to go on stage vulcan gave her the cue but rose remained as though petrified as she caught sight of her husband and her lover lying at her feet strangling each other struggling together their hair all in disorder their clothes covered with dust she was unable to pass them and one of the scene-shifters only just succeeded in catching hold of faucherie's hat as it was rolling into view of the audience vulcan who had meanwhile interpolated a string of gag to amuse the audience again gave rose her cue but she stood watching the two men without moving don't look at them angrily whispered bordenave behind her go on go on it's nothing to do with you you're missing your cue and pushed forward by him rose stepped over the prostrate bodies and found herself before the audience in the glare of the footlights she had not understood why they were on the ground fighting together all in a tremble and with a buzzing in her ears she walked towards the conductor with the bewitching smile of an amorous diana and gave the first line of her duo in so warm a voice that she received quite an ovation but she could still hear the two men pummeling each other at the side they had now rolled to within a few steps of the footlights fortunately the noise of the band prevented the sound of the blows reaching the audience damnation exclaimed bordenave exasperated when he had at length succeeded in separating the pair couldn't you go and fight it out in your own place you know very well i don't like this sort of thing you mignon you will do me the pleasure of remaining here on the prompt side and you faucherie i'll kick you out of the theatre if you dare to leave the o p side now that's understood eh prompt side and o p side or else i'll forbid rose to bring you here again when he returned to the prince the latter asked what had been the matter 
oh nothing at all he calmly murmured nana wrapped in a fur cloak stood talking to the gentleman while she waited for her cue as count Mifa advanced to obtain a view of the stage between two side scenes he understood from a sign of the stage manager that he must tread softly all was quiet up above in the wings which were most brilliantly lighted up a few persons were standing talking in whispers or moving off on tiptoe the gas man was at his post close to the complicated collection of taps a fireman leaning against one of the supports was stretching his neck trying to get a glimpse of the performance whilst the man who manoeuvred the curtain was waiting on his seat up aloft with a resigned look on his countenance quite ignoring the piece and merely listening for the bell which directed his movements and in the midst of this stifling atmosphere and the faint noise caused by the light footsteps and the low whispers the sound of the voices of the actors on the stage seemed strange and hushed and surprisingly out of tune then farther off beyond the din of the orchestra there was the audience breathing as with one immense respiration which now and again swelled as it broke out in murmurs laughter and applause one could feel the public without seeing it even when it was silent there is something open said nana suddenly drawing her fur cloak closer around her look and see barrio i'm sure someone has opened a window really the place will be the death of me Berriot swore that he had shut everything himself perhaps there was a broken window somewhere actors were always complaining of draughts in the oppressive heat of the gas one of those currents of cold air productive of inflammation of the lungs as fontan said might frequently be felt i should like to see you have to stand here with hardly anything on you continued nana who was getting angry hush muttered bordeneuve on the stage rose had thrown so much expression into a phrase of her duo that the applause quite drowned the music nana left off talking and looked very serious on the count advancing too far along one of the wings barriot stopped him saying that he might be seen he caught sight of the reverse of the side scene slantwise with the backs of the frames consolidated by a thick layer of old posters and a portion of the further drop representing the silver cavern of mount etna with vulcan's forge in the background the floats that had been lowered cast a glare of light in the daubs of metallic paint representing the silver some red and blue glass judiciously intermingled imitated the flames of a furnace whilst midway up the stage a number of flaring gas jets running along the floor lit up a row of black rocks and behind these reclining on a gently sloping boulder surrounded by all the lights which looked like so many chinese lanterns among the grass on a day of illuminations old madame drouard who played juno and was half blinded by the glitter drowsily awaited the moment to make her appearance just then there was a slight commotion simone who was listening to a story of clarisse's exclaimed hello there's old tricon it was indeed old tricon with her long curls and her air of a countess consulting her solicitor as soon as she caught sight of nana she went straight up to her no said the latter after a rapid exchange of words not this time the old lady looked very solemn Brulière shook hands with her as he passed by two little chorus girls gazed on her with emotion for a moment she seemed to hesitate then she beckoned to simone and another rapid exchange of words took place yes said simone at last in half an hour but as she went up to her dressing-room madame bron who was again distributing some letters handed her one bordeneuve in a low tone of voice began abusing the doorkeeper for having let old tricot into the theatre that woman in the place when his highness was there 
it was disgusting madame bron who had been thirty years in the theatre replied in a surly tone of voice how was she to know madame tricon transacted business with all the ladies monsieur bordenave had seen her there dozens of times without ever saying a word and whilst the manager muttered a string of oaths old tricon coolly examined the prince staring him straight in the face like a woman who weighs a man with a glance a smile lighted up her yellow countenance then she slowly retired in the midst of the little women who respectfully made way for her to pass as soon as possible now don't forget said she turning towards simone simone seemed very much worried the letter was from a young man whom she had promised to meet that evening she gave madame bron a note she had hastily scribbled not to-night ducky i'm engaged but she remained very anxious the young man might wait for her all the same as she was not in the third act she wished to get away at once so she asked clarisse to go and see the latter had nothing to do until almost the end of the piece she went downstairs whilst simone returned for a minute to the dressing-room they shared together there was no one in madame bron's little bar below but a super dressed in a red and gold costume who personated pluto the doorkeeper's little business had evidently gone well for the recess under the stairs was quite damp from the rinsings of the glasses clarisse gathered up the skirts of her robe which dragged on the greasy steps but she prudently stopped when she got to where the staircase turned and stretching out her neck took a peep into the room she was well inspired for that idiot la Faloise was still waiting there on the same chair between the table and the stove he had pretended to go off when simone had spoken to him and returned directly after the room too was still full of gentlemen in evening dress with light kid gloves and looking submissive and patient they were all waiting gravely eyeing one another on the table there only remained the dirty plates madame bron having just distributed the last bouquets a rose alone fallen from one of them was lying half faded close to the old cat who had curled herself up and gone to sleep whilst the kittens were madly careening between the gentlemen's legs for a moment clarisse thought of having la faloise turned out the fool didn't like animals that showed what sort of a person he was he kept his arms close to his sides for fear of touching the old cat asleep on the table by him take care he'll catch you said pluto a funny fellow as he went upstairs wiping his lips with the back of his hand then clarisse gave up the idea of having a row with la Faloise. she had seen madame bron hand simone's letter to the young man who went and read it under the gas jet in the passage not to-night ducky i'm engaged and no doubt used to the phrase he quietly went off he at least knew how to behave he wasn't like the others who obstinately sat waiting there on madame bron's old worn-out cane chairs in that lantern-like glass box which was as hot as an oven and which didn't smell particularly nice what dirty beasts men were clarisse returned upstairs thoroughly disgusted she passed at the back of the stage and ran up the three flights of stairs leading to her dressing-room to let simone know that the young man had gone off at the wings the prince had drawn nana on one side and was conversing with her he had remained with her all the time glancing tenderly at her with his half-closed eyes nana without looking at him smilingly said yes with a nod of her head but suddenly count mifa obeyed an invincible feeling within him he quitted bordenave who was giving him some information respecting the manoeuvring of the windlasses and the drums and advanced to interrupt their conversation nana raised her eyes and smiled at him the same as she smiled at his highness she was however listening all the while for her cue 
the third act is the shortest i think said the prince whom the count's presence embarrassed she did not answer her face changed in a moment and she was entirely occupied with her business she rapidly let the fur cloak slip from her shoulders and madame jules standing behind her received it in her arms and after passing her hands over her hair as though to smooth it she advanced on the stage in an almost nude state hush hush whispered bordenave the count and the prince remained lost in surprise in the midst of the silence there arose a profound sigh the distant murmur of a vast crowd every night the same effect was produced as venus appeared in her goddess-like nudity then Mifa, wishing to see looked through a hole in the scenery beyond the dazzling semicircle formed by the footlights the house wore a sombre look as though filled with a reddish-coloured smoke and on that neutral background over which the rows of faces seemed to cast a confused pallor nana stood out all in white looking taller and quite hiding the boxes from the first tier to the amphitheatre he could see her bent back and her opened arms whilst on a level with her feet was the old prompter's head looking as though it was severed from his body and wearing a poor and honest expression at certain lines of nana's song an undulating movement seemed to start from her neck to descend to her waist and then expire at the trailing edge of her flimsy tunic when she had uttered her last note in the midst of a tempest of applause she bowed the gauze drapery waving about her and her hair reaching to her hips as she did so seeing her thus bent forward and with her haunches expanded moved backwards towards the hole through which he was watching her the count became very pale and turned away the stage disappeared and all he saw was the wrong side of the scenery the medley of posters pasted in all sorts of ways amidst the gas jets behind the row of rocks the other olympian gods and goddesses had joined madame drouard who was still dozing they were awaiting the end of the act busque and fontan seated on the ground their chins buried in their knees Rullière yawning and stretching himself before making his last appearance of the evening all of them looking worn out with bloodshot eyes and impatient to get home to bed just then faucherie who had been wandering about on the op side since bordenave had forbidden him to appear on the prompt one got hold of the count for want of some one better and offered to show him the dressing-rooms Mifa, whom an increasing indolence left without any will of his own ended by following the journalist after looking about for the marquis de choix who was no longer there he felt at the same time a relief and a slight uneasiness on leaving the wings from whence he could hear nana's voice faucherie had already preceded him up the staircase which was shut off on the first and second floors by little wooden doors it was one of those staircases that are generally met with in houses of evil reputation such as count Mifa had occasionally come across in his rounds as member of the poor relief committee with bare tumble-down yellow walls steps all worn with the constant traffic of feet and an iron rail highly polished by the hands that rubbed along it on each landing on a level with the floor was a low window looking like the air-hole of a cellar and in lanterns fixed against the walls jets of gas were blazing crudely lighting up all this wretchedness whilst emitting a heat that ascended and accumulated beneath the narrow ceilings of the landing-places as the count reached the foot of the stairs he again felt a scorching breath at the back of his neck that feminine odour coming from the dressing-rooms above in a flood of light and noise and now at every step he mounted the musky smell of the face-powders the tartness of the toilet vinegars heated him and stupefied him all the more on the first landing two passages branched off with a sharp turn 
and on to these several doors painted yellow and bearing large white numbers opened giving to the place very much the appearance of an hotel of suspicious character several of the tiles composing the flooring were missing and left so many holes the count ventured along one of the passages and glancing into a room the door of which was only half closed he beheld a wretched den looking not unlike a barber's shanty in some low neighbourhood and furnished with two chairs a looking-glass and a dressing-table containing a drawer blackened by the grease and scurf from the combs a big fellow covered with perspiration and his shoulders steaming was changing his underlinen whilst in a similar room situated close by a woman ready to leave was putting on her gloves with her hair all damp and uncurled as though she had just come out of a bath faucherie here called to the count and the latter reached the second story just as a furiously uttered oath issued from the passage on the right mathilde a smutty little thing who personated virtuous persecuted damsels had just broken her basin the soapy water from which ran out on to the landing a door was closed violently two women in their stays jumped across the passage another holding the tail of her chemise between her teeth suddenly appeared and as hastily made off then were heard a great deal of laughing the sound of a quarrel a song commenced and almost immediately interrupted through the cracks in the walls and the doors of the passage one caught glimpses of nudity rosy skins and white underlinen two girls who were very merry were showing one another the different marks on their bodies a third very young almost a child had lifted up her skirts and was mending her drawers whilst the dressers seeing the two men gently closed the curtains out of decency it was the jostling at the end of the performance the great washing off of white paint and rouge the resumption of everyday dress in the midst of a cloud of face powder an increase of the human odour which issued through the slamming doors arrived on the third story mifa abandoned himself to the intoxication which was taking possession of him the dressing-room of the female supers was there twenty women heaped together a confusion of soaps and bottles of lavender water resembling the common room of a house of ill fame in the suburbs as he passed he heard behind a closed door a great noise of washing a storm in a basin and he was moving on to the top story when he had the curiosity to look through a peephole left open in a door the room was unoccupied and all he could see by the light of the flaring gas was a familiar utensil forgotten amidst a pile of skirts thrown on the floor this was the last vision he carried away with him up above on the fourth story he felt as though he would choke all the odours all the heat congregated there the yellow ceiling had a roasted appearance a gas lamp was burning in a sort of ruddy mist for a moment he clung to the iron railing which had the cool feeling of living flesh and closing his eyes he drew a long breath seeming by doing so to inhale all that pertained to the female sex he was still unacquainted with although he was as it were enveloped by it come on cried faucherie who had disappeared a moment before some one wants you he was in clarisse's and simon's dressing-room a long sort of attic under the slates badly constructed with innumerable angles two deep openings in the roof admitted the light but at that time of night flames of gas illuminated the room hung with wallpaper rose-coloured flowers on a green trellis-work costing a farthing a yard side by side two wooden shelves deal-boards covered with oilcloth blackened by the dirty water constantly spilt upon it served as dressing-tables beneath them were scattered some zinc cans very much the worse for wear two or three pails full of slops and several coarse yellow earthenware jugs 
there were in fact an infinity of things more or less damaged or dirtied by use chipped basins horn-combs with half the teeth broken off all indeed which the haste and carelessness of two women who dress and wash in common leave untidily about them in a place that they only momentarily occupy and the dirt and disorder of which no longer affects them when once they are out of it come on repeated faucherie with that comradeship which men affect when in company with damsels of easy virtue clarisse wants to kiss you miffat at length entered the room but he was greatly surprised to find the marquis de choir seated on a chair between the two dressing-tables the marquis had retired there he kept his feet wide apart because one of the pails leaked making a big pool of soapy water on the floor he appeared to be very much at his ease evidently knowing the best places and looking quite young again in that oppressive bathroom atmosphere in the presence of that quiet feminine wantonness which the unclean surroundings rendered the more natural and so to say excusable are you going with the old boy asked simone of clarisse in a whisper never not if i know it answered the latter out loud the dresser a very ugly and very familiar young girl who was helping simone to put on her cloak burst out laughing they all three incited one another murmuring words which redoubled their merriment come clarisse kiss the gentleman said faucherie you know he can afford it and turning towards the count he added you'll see she's very nice she's going to kiss you but clarisse had had enough of the men she spoke vehemently of the beasts who were waiting below in the doorkeeper's room besides she was in a hurry to get down they would make her miss her cue in the last scene then as faucherie stood in front of the door to detain her she kissed muffat's whiskers saying it's not because it's you anyhow it's merely because faucherie bothers me and she hastened away the count felt very uneasy in the presence of his father-in-law he became very red in the face when in nana's dressing-room surrounded by all the luxury of mirrors and hangings he had not experienced the acrid excitation of the shameful misery of that garret full of the two women's indelicacy the marquis however had gone off after simone who seemed in a great hurry whispering in her ear while she kept shaking her head faucherie followed them laughing then the count found himself left alone with the dresser who was rinsing out the basins so he also went off and descended the staircase his legs scarcely able to bear his weight startling women in their petticoats and causing doors to be hastily closed as he passed but in the midst of this hurry scurry of girls across the four stories the only thing he distinctly saw was a cat the big tortoise-shell cat who in that furnace poisoned with musk crawled down the stairs rubbing its back against the rails of the balustrade with its tail erect well exclaimed a woman's hoarse voice i thought they were going to keep us to-night they're always having calls it was the end the curtain had just gone down there was a rush up the staircase which resounded with exclamations of all kinds everyone was in a violent hurry to get dressed and go home as count miffat reached the foot of the stairs he saw nana and the prince walking slowly along the passage stopping suddenly the young woman smiled and said in a low tone of voice very well then in a few minutes the prince returned to the stage where bordonave awaited him then finding himself alone with nana miffat gave way to an impulse of rage and desire and hastened after her and just as she reached her dressing-room he kissed her roughly on the back of the neck where the little golden curls hung between her shoulders it was as though he was returning the kiss he had received upstairs nana in a fury raised her arm 
but when she recognized the count she smiled oh you frightened me was all she said and her smile was adorable confused and submissive as if she had despaired of that kiss and was happy at having received it but she could not respond to it neither then nor on the morrow they must wait even if she had not been obliged to do so she would have made him wait her look said all these things at length she resumed you know i am a landowner now yes i have purchased a small estate near orleans in a part of the country where you go sometimes baby told me so little georgigon you know him do you not come and see me there the timid count frightened at his own rude outburst ashamed of what he had done bowed ceremoniously and promised to avail himself of her invitation then he went off to rejoin the prince walking as though in a dream and as he passed the green-room he heard satin exclaim you are a dirty old beast leave me alone it was the marquis de choix who for want of some one better had pitched upon satin the latter thought she had decidedly had enough of those fashionable people nana had it is true presented her to bordenave but it had bored her too much to remain all the while with her mouth shut for fear of saying something stupid and she wanted to make up for the waste of time the more especially as she had run against an old flame of hers in the wings the super who personated pluto a pastry-cook who had already given her a whole week of love and blows she was waiting for him and felt greatly annoyed with the marquis for addressing her as though she was one of the women of the theatre so she ended by saying in a very dignified tone of voice my husband will be here directly and then you will see the actors with their overcoats on and looking very fatigued now began to leave one by one groups of men and women went down the little winding staircase casting shadows of old knocked-about hats and ragged shawls on the wall with the ghastliness of strollers who have wiped off their rouge on the stage where all the gas-jets were being turned out the prince was listening to an anecdote of bordenave's he was waiting for nana when she at length appeared the stage was in darkness and the fireman was going round with a lantern giving a last look to everything to save his highness from having to go through the passage de panorama bourdonnais had the doors opened of the corridor leading from near the doorkeeper's room to the vestibule of the theatre and several of the women scurried along there delighted at escaping from the men who were waiting for them outside the stage door they pushed against each other squeezing their way through glancing back every instant and holding their breath until they found themselves outside whilst fontan busque and prulière moved slowly off home joking amongst themselves about the ladies protectors solemn-looking gentlemen who were walking up and down the galerie des varietes near the stage door at the same time that the damsels themselves were hastening along the boulevards in the company of the chosen ones of their hearts but clarisse was especially cunning she determined to beware of la valoise and in fact he was still in the doorkeeper's room with the other gentlemen who obstinately stuck to madame bron's chairs they were all watching and listening intently so keeping close to a friend she passed rapidly before them the gentlemen blinked their eyes bewildered by the rapid succession of skirts whirling round at the foot of the narrow staircase and quite despondent after having waited so long for the ladies at seeing them all disappear like that without being able to recognize a single one the litter of black kittens were asleep on the oilcloth cuddled up against their mother who with a look of intense happiness had separated her legs to receive them whilst the big turtle-shell cat seated at the other end of the table with its tail stretched out watched with its yellow eyes the women hurrying away if his highness will pass through here 
said bordonnave at the foot of the stairs as he pointed to the corridor a few women were still there pushing past each other the prince followed nana and mufa and the marquis came after them it was a long passage situated between the theatre and the next house in fact a sort of narrow alley covered with a sloping roof in which were two or three skylights a dampness hung about the walls and the footsteps resounded over the pavement the same as in a tunnel it was full of the disorder of a garret there was a carpenter's bench on which the doorkeeper's husband occasionally planned a piece of scenery and quite a collection of wooden barriers used of an evening to regulate the pressure of the crowd nana was obliged to hold up her skirts as she passed a water-tap which not being properly turned off was inundating the place on reaching the vestibule every one bowed and when bordonnave was left alone he summed up his opinion of the prince with a shrug of the shoulders full of a disdainful philosophy he's a bit of a muff all the same said he without explaining himself further to faucherie whom rose mignon was taking home with her husband with the intention of making them good friends again Mufa found himself alone on the footpath outside his highness had quietly placed nana in his carriage and driven off the marquis in a very excited state had followed satin and her super contenting himself with keeping close to those two embodiments of vice with the vague hope of their taking compassion on him then Mufa, his head as hot as a furnace decided to go home on foot all combat within him had ceased a new era of life had drowned all his ideas and his beliefs of forty years standing as he walked along the boulevards the noise caused by the belated vehicles seemed to deafen him with the sound of nana's name whilst in the gas-lamps a naked vision nana's supple arms and her white shoulders appeared to dance before his eyes and he felt that he was wholly hers he would have abjured all have sold everything he possessed to have her with him but for one short hour that very night it was his youth that was at length awakening within him the gluttonous puberty of an adolescent that had suddenly become inflamed in the midst of his jesuitical coldness and his dignity of mature age End of chapter five